Well, good evening, Demon Landers, and welcome to the Demon Land podcast. My name is Andy, and uh, joining me tonight, uh, as he always does, uh, Grape Viney. Uh, good evening. How are you going? I'm all right, Andy. Thank you. You haven't slashed your wrist just yet. No, no, Demon Land's kept me in check all week, so <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm across the situation, I think. Do you have your microwave handy um, for the coming weeks? Yep, ready to go. <laughs> ready to go. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yep, yep, ready to, to – oh, I've hit the panic button already. We're about to go nuclear, so all right. stand by. We'll, we'll stand by. Uh, joining us for his second appearance on the uh, Demon Land podcast uh, – we have um, a Twitter pundit, uh, author of the Great Depression, um, Super Mercado. Uh, good evening. How are you? Good evening, gents. And may I say, no matter how miserable you are, a good airing of Come On Demons always uh, <laughs> lifts the spirits. Thinking of Ricky Jackson climbing out of a locker and Andy Lovell chopping down a goalpost with an axe. So th- thank you for lifting my spirits. Yeah, I have it on repeat on my, uh, on my iPod. Uh, circa 2001. Um, gentlemen, um, as I just was saying to uh, Grape Viney, um, is it is it panic stations yet, uh, Super Mercado? You're, you're uh, very used to um, uh, this type of feeling. You've written about it. Um, <laughs> is it panic stations yet? Perhaps it is because I have seen so much horror and taken so much horror into my soul in the last few years that uh, I'm actually remaining relatively calm about this. I think it's been a bit over the top this week. Uh, I just did my usual AFL 360 come in halfway through, find the bits about Melbourne, then stop watching. Uh, and they had they had the about the third different package this week of miserable fans and soft music and backgrounds of people explaining <laughs> what went on. I think it's all a bit over the top, to be honest. Like, I think we all, we can all see on Sunday that there was a lot of deficiencies there was a lot of stuff that went wrong but my god it's like you know it's it's all it lacks from the time that Essendon whopped us by 148 points was you know a coach sacking and a few people are are trying to get that up as well they're trying to get Goodwin out the door quicker than we got Neil out the door so I think the response this week is obviously the most important thing but at the same time following this week we've got a run of Essendon, then St Kilda, Gold Coast and Carlton. So if you're planning to go troppo, uh, I wouldn't waste all your energy now because you could have an excellent opportunity to do it in about a month. I'll tell you what, if if in a month uh, things are the same as they've been now, uh, I think uh, we'll have to shut Demonland down um, permanently (laughs) because uh, I don't think the server will be able to handle... um, the abuse, uh, but we're not quite there yet, um, and uh, perhaps we can sort of maybe dissect what went wrong um, this week, because during the first quarter, uh, the first half of the first quarter, I was already talking about, well, to myself, because I was sitting by myself, but I was talking about the Richmond game, and that's going to be amazing, and we're, you know, we're flying, and... Um, by midway through the second quarter, um, yeah, that feeling had dissipated. A great Don't trust cl- Melbourne. It's clear what's happened. The rebuild is dead. Uh, the Ruse-Goodwin experiment uh, is a failure. Um, we know Jesse and Angus are off to WA. 
And uh, PJ, who came out uh, today and said that we trashed the brand, he has to go because the fish <laughs> rots at the head. And uh, the time for action uh, is now, I think. Can we can we get Alan Stockdale back to another to have another crack when he's, he, his number one campaign promise was that he was going to have uh, sausage sizzles for the kids, which was uh, probably not up there with the greatest election manifestos ever. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, the game. But you're right, Andy. They did. They played like millionaires for fifteen, twenty minutes, uh, and then it just fell apart. Um, in every facet of the game, didn't it? And I think we'd, we'd kicked, we were 4-2 at one stage. So from that point on, we kicked, uh, uh, you know, we kicked another 2-10 or 2-11 for the game. And I don't think we can even blame the weather because we were, uh, we were playing like it was a wet weather game. We were fumbling, we were missing handballs, balls were going through the legs. It was a disaster, but, I mean, the Hawks initially were also fumbling, but they seemed to be a lot more composed uh, with ball in hand and uh, able to, to take marks and and use the wet weather to their advantage where we certainly didn't. So, I don't know, we can't blame the weather. I mean, you have to play. Your opposition's also got the same handicap. Um, so, where where do we start? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that we would have done particularly all that much better in the, the dry, the way we were going. But I think we might have played like it was wet, but we were set up like it was dry. Uh, so yep. that was the that was the problem. I don't profess to be a, a tactical expert in the slightest, but it sort of looked like we were just coming out and just doing exactly what we would have done any other day. Uh, and it was just clearly not working by half time. Uh, and we just kind of merrily went to our death like lemmings without seemingly doing much to, to try and get back the momentum. Well, perhaps we will talk about what who was good. Um, there weren't many when I put the uh, thread up on Demon Land to, um, to get the votes. Uh, I think people were struggling to find six people to fit in the 654321. Um, Clayton Oliver uh, was Clayton Oliver. Uh, Jesse had a, 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 he had a great first quarter. Um, and then, you know, Jonesy did a great job on, um, you know, curtailing, um, um, Tom, 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 Tom Mitchell. Um, but I was going to say Tom McDonald for a sec, but, uh, Tom Mitchell, um, I don't know after that, um, it, it's sort of oh, Oscar McDonald had a, yes. had a really good game. Yeah. Oh, I know Ruffy ended up with a few or a couple, but, um, weird laid down, uh, <laughs> Uh, OMAC continues to be the uh, well, the the sole beacon of light in the background in the uh, backline. So, so last year, Oscar was uh, the the whipping boy, um, sort of on on Demonland and on the internet. But um, he hasn't really lowered his his colours this this year. He's uh, improving. He's getting better every week. Um, uh, I think maybe uh, Melbourne supporters have found a new whipping boy in uh, Jake Lever, and he, Jake's sort of uh, got a lot of press uh, this week. Um, your thoughts, gentlemen? I think it's – look, we're going to have him for, for many years to come, so he's certainly got time to get it right. So we, let's not uh, all get 
miserable about him. And, uh, you know, apparently there was some hot rumours about his dad getting into some uh, verbals with the crowd the other day. It's like, well, it's a bit early for that. Um, I, I just think that he just looks really uncomfortable uh, where he's the way we're playing. And it's almost like we bought him just as a status symbol and now we've got to find a way to use him. And Adelaide had the way to use him. That worked well. Um, we just seem to be plonking him down there and going, right, go and do some of your uh, intercept marking, and then it's just not happening. Well, he did his stats. He had, I think, 13 uh, intercept possessions. Um, that's certainly his best. I think he was. he's averaging for the year seven, so that's well down. Um, but I don't think anything was going right in our back line, and we certainly didn't no. play, you know, that the, the there's been a threat on uh, Demon Land, their back line set up and structure, and it's it's not working. Um, can can either of you, Great Viney, what, what can you, uh, our back line, what's happening, what can we do to turn it around? Well, some would have you believe that it's the line coach. Um you know, I think Jade was the backline coach, wasn't he? And he's uh, uh, now at Casey. So uh, I think Is that Troy a Chapman's or a Sorry? sideways move or a demotion. I haven't been able to work that out yet. Yeah, I think well, they were talking hard it up. To say. They were talking it up as a promotion, as a preparation for his own coaching career. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I thought it was. It seemed like a demotion or a sideways, but I don't know. Uh, hmm. The bottom line is that the introduction of Lever has thrown whatever system was in place last year um, out of whack, and we haven't been able to to resolve it yet. Frost was brought back in on the weekend, and it was hoped that that would help the situation. I guess if uh, if Jake's intercept um, possessions and marks went up, then that was perhaps partly achieved on the weekend. He certainly did quite a bit of incept, uh, intercepting, but uh, I think people's frustration was with the... Uh, the ground balls, uh, the running over um, of the footy a couple of times and, uh, again, some wayward uh, possession. So um, he's certainly, um, you know, uh, out of form at the minute and struggling to find his feet and the whole back line um, has sort of been thrown out of kilter as a result, which is a bit hard to... I I don't know. I mean, you know, they've had a whole summer to work on it. Um, Surely... Surely they would have uh, tried different scenarios and, um, you know, to count for the different forward lines that we'd meet this year. So it's a bit perplexing that uh, um, it seems to have the football department so perplexed still. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you take, say, from last week, you take Lever out and put Hunt back in, that's pretty much the back line we had last year after Tom McDonald went forward, which I know yep. we weren't exactly spectacular in the, the later part of last year, but... System-wise, they seemed to they looked a lot better, and yeah, it, it, we conceded a few goals that we shouldn't have, probably one or two that kept us out of the finals. Uh, but yeah, it, it didn't seem like there, it seemed like there was been times here, and even times the last couple of weeks where it's like the players are the ball comes in and everyone is so spread out, it's like they need to you know ring long distance to call each other. It's ridiculous. It just seems that the structure, and again, I don't profess to be a tactician, but the structure just seems to, there's something wrong with it. Uh, and I, I'm, I'd be hesitant to, to lay it on Jake Lever as yep. a player, but I would be, I feel that there's, his presence contributes to it. And I think, you know, they work that out. He becomes a, a good player. 
Um, I just think that it almost lacks um, a general in that back line. Like Tom McDonald, for all the uh, the people who were really always uncomfortable about him, few you know, clangers here and there, you could always rely on him to like fly in, grab an overhead mark, mm-hmm. crash people out of the way. Um, I would say the price paid of a couple of high-profile flub kicks every week was way less than what he actually added to that back line. Now, it's a shame that we can't now have one of him forward and one of him back (laughs) and one Jesse Hogan at full forward and one Jesse Hogan at centre-half forward. And five trackers. Correct. One in (laughs) each position and and a Max Gorn forward as well. There's a few, but maybe about 40 metres out, so he... he, (laughs) Set shot yes. kickings, better off from that distance. Uh, but I just think that the back line really lacks that that big control player. Like Oscar has been excellent. I really liked Oscar this year, but he's a one-on-one player. We we need. I, I would almost almost put Tom McDonald into that back line now if I could, if he was available. I, I loved him forward last year. I loved him forward in the preseason, and I think he would actually him and Hogan would be a magnificent combo. But I think he would, at the moment, do more, have more benefit in the back line than the forward line. Not yep. that our forward line doing much either. And just to, just on Lever, just 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 like getting one player in your team isn't going to change your fortunes around. You, know, you can't blame that one person for for all the ills of the team. And I I just thought um, we were bombing it in, or they were bombing it into the uh, forward line, and we would have three guys flying for the mark and no one down and uh, there was no one down either forward or back of the pack and that cost us a couple of times and it, it just that can't go on we've been saying that for a long time though that problem existed pre-lever um but yeah then not a whole lot uh is going right back there at the moment and just think how much drive hibbert gave us um off half back last year um, really setting up forward, uh, you know, forward thrusts, and that just we're just missing that um, at the moment. So, uh, you know, and Richmond's got their unusual forward line this week, so it'll be interesting to see how we, um, uh, how Goodwin selects the side and and how they gel together on Tuesday night. I think getting Hibbert and Hunt going is absolutely crucial. One, if not two of them, uh, because that's where you get those the quick forward entries that you end up with Jeff Garlett running out the back and running into an open goal that this week there was not even a hint of that in the last three quarters. So we ended up just bombing it in there and, you know, that just was garbage. Like it just didn't work in the slightest. Yeah. Um, uh, We talked a bit about the the structure of the back line, but there was also, there was an article today on on uh, afl.com.au um, about our setup uh, at the ball ups and uh, something that uh, the D's have been doing. You know, we've been playing uh, two men, sort of, uh, you know, men coming off the uh, half back line straight into the centre, with um, leaving two opposition players on the wing, and that worked really well for us in the first quarter, and that was worked out um, quite quickly, and. It, it sort of led to our, our demise. Did you, either of you guys see that uh, the footage of that? They had some vision of that um, on AFL.com. Yeah, I, I, I saw uh, that yeah. and I, I thought, you know, that was kind of a, a good for someone like me to actually uh, dumb, it, dumb it down to what was going on and explain it. 
Um, you know, I think really it was just a case of um, an over an out coaching from a guy who's done everything versus a guy who's done nothing. Um, you know, you look back at Clarkson. I had a look at his record up to the same time um, that Goodwin's coaching now. And sure, he probably took over a team that was in a worse position. But his first three games against Sydney with Paul Roos at his peak, he lost each one of them by 10 goals. So I think there, there was a lot of errors that were made today. And there's been a lot, you know, the rest of the year, we, we were a kick away from being 3-0 and before this. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I think we'd all admit that there's been some very weird signs going on. Um, I think that's as long as that's learnt from, and I know we've all we've all had so many uh, learnings that we should be Oxford scholars by now. <laughs> but it's it's whether we learn from that going into this week, and we might not win this week because we're playing a bloody good team. But it's what we learn from that going into again that run of Essendon could go either way. St Kilda we should beat, Carlton we should beat, Gold Coast we should beat. So that's where the the really important stuff we're going to learn if they've actually worked this out. Well, I just I just hope that uh, other teams aren't working us out. It seems uh, we take a long, or well, the coaching staff takes a long time to react, um, and that's seen where we have run-ons of, of goals kicked against us, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, I just, I fear that we're a one, I don't know, I'm not going to say one-dimensional team, but it seems we've got this plan A that works, can work really well, it's adapting when it's not working. And, and we've seen in a few games this year that when we've dropped off, we've been able to come back into the game. I'm just fearing that we're going to be worked out. And if we don't react quick enough, it's going to be detrimental uh, to us. And that's the problem. You go into, you go into the hole of you know, a few goals down. Yeah, sure, occasionally you come back. Uh, but you leave yourself such a massive hole. It's like the Geelong game. We, we were in such a hole, or the Collingwood game end of last year, that you get to the point where you can dominate for a massive period of the game, and then they fluke one goal, and you're finished. Um, there's a stat I've been tracking, which is a, a completely invented stat that champion data uh, don't, don't do, that games where we've gone at least four goals down yeah. and then got back to within a goal at some point. Um, and we've done that 14 times. The first, I tracked it since the start of 2014. The first time is round 11, 2014. And since then, it's happened 14 times for five wins and nine losses. Funny thing is Goodwin is actually four and three of that. So he's yes. won. So under Ruse, it was one win, six losses. And Goodwin's yes. four win, three losses. And I don't know if that means anything. But the fact is that going back into the, the last couple of years of the, the Ruse era, we've had this problem. Um, and even we've had it on a larger scale. We'll all remember that Bulldogs game where I think we broke the record for the, the biggest loss for a team ever that's held an opposition goalless in a quarter. We sort of won one quarter 30 by 30 points and lost every other quarter by about 40 points. Uh, we, there, are, there have been, ever since, the, ever since we started kicking goals again, those big runs on. So I don't think that's a Goodwin thing. It's probably, possibly a Goodwin influence thing because he was obviously there when this started. Um, but it has been happening for a long time, and we just don't seem to be able to get on top of it. Yeah, we've discussed this on the podcast before, and one of my theories for the fade-outs actually has been that uh, because we've uh, done the comeback so often, um, and as you say, Goodwin's got a 4-3 record, the players have this level of self-confidence that even if they do fall in a hole, that they can make up 
um, make up the lost ground. So I wonder whether that is tricking them into a false sense of security and they get, you know, either either up and, and take the foot off the pedal or um, if scores are level, um, you know, concede a few um, because they believe that they can um, they can kick their way back into it. Or the, or the or the St Kilda preseason game, the Brisbane game of the North, and the this week where they get so far ahead and then do the exact yep. reverse and allow the other team to come back. Like, well, let's just have. Can we just have just a normal experience? <laughs> no. And let and judge the team. I oh, know it's very difficult if you're a Melbourne fan, but, <laughs> but look, to, we could just to get a fair, baseline as, as experience before, to judge things. To be fair, as we said before, Clarkson worked out what was going on and adjusted accordingly. And somebody posted a stat before that apparently uh, they said this during the telecast that Hawthorne is the number one side um, in terms of second quarter performance, and that's largely down to the fact that um, Clarkson spends the first quarter working out what's being thrown at him, um, then readjusts, and the Hawks Hawks come out um, after quarter time and, and are ready to rock and roll. Uh, yeah, and I don't think that's you, you're gonna, you know, the, the the minority of people who sort of want to sack everyone and you know go and get a new coach. Like, again, who are you going to get that's not going to go through the exact same education that the current coach is going through? You know, you're not you're John Longmire, you're not Chris Scott walking into teams that are just winning premierships straight away, being handed premiership teams. Um, well, you know, the main there's, there's the main name being thrown up this week was Alistair Clarkson. So <laughs> yeah, well, we've tried that before. We we offered him, didn't we? Offer him. Pre before Neil, we offered him a fortune. He told us to get stuff, and and went off to merrily win flags galore, which obviously proved that he's a very smart man. Yep, it is. Um, well, it is worrying. There have been twenty one times in twenty six games um, that we've conceded uh, four plus goals on a run. Um, it's it's got to stop. Um, it it really does. It's. Uh, you know, we we <laughs> Melbourne cannot be trusted at the moment, and that's you know the the reason why. And I'd be interested to see that stat if they'd cracked it open a bit longer for how long it took for those four goals, because I think often you'll find that the four goals will come very quickly. Yep. Um, in this case, this game it was probably a little bit more stretched out, uh, but often like the North game, just whack 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 whack. We were four goals down. Brisbane game, we all know we lost considered about seven goals in half an hour there. It's it's that it's not the stretch out of us not kicking the goals apart from this weekend, but it's the the brutality of that ten minute period where we just get blown off the park, um, and we do obviously come back a few times. Yeah, last year in the space of about five weeks, we were four goals down and and, and either came back to win or came back to get very close against Adelaide. We won um, Gold Coast. We won and Hawthorne and North Melbourne. We lost. Yep. So it's definitely not a new phenomenon this year. Um, there, it, it really, the first half of last year, the same thing happened. Um, but like I said, when you get that far in the hole, you just leave yourself so vulnerable to things, just small things tripping you up that you're right. It, it really has to be looked at. Um, yeah, well, once you're that far down, you basically need absolutely everything yeah, to go perfectly your way to pull off the comeback. And, and you know, it can, it can be a bad umpiring decision or one kick that's missed and that blows the whole, um, uh, that blows the whole thing up. Yeah, and you've got to convert as well. You've got to convert when you get your opportunities, which, which obviously that yeah. tripped us up again on the weekend. Um, I think we probably would have got done anyway, but those opportunities that were missed 
uh, which is so crucial because we weren't making good opportunities after the first quarter. Yeah, the second quarter particularly, uh, I think we kicked five points um, and many of them were very gettable. Uh, you slot through a few of those and things might have been a bit different. Um, you know, by the end, obviously, we'd lay down and let them get that run on at the end. But, yeah, the damage uh, had been done by that inaccuracy. Now, uh, Demonland poster uh, Garbo uh, posted an interesting uh, bit of statistics. Um, he said, might have been said already, but of the 21 games where we conceded four or more goals in a row since round 21, 27, well, it can't be since then, uh, we have won nine and lost 12 uh, of the five games we didn't concede five or more, uh, four or more, we won all five. Uh, Richmond, for comparison, conceded four or more goals eight times in the same 26 home and away games, winning one and losing seven. So, I mean, that sort of proves that we, you know, when we have teams have that run on, we have the ability to, to come back um, and win some of those games. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I just don't want that to happen. We we can't let that happen anymore. Um, and it depends where they get the run on as well. They get the run on in the first quarter, i.e. the North game. That's not fine, but it's recoverable. Yeah. It's when they get the run on in the third quarter or the fourth quarter, and then we're really having to dig out of a hole, that that's when it becomes a fatal issue. It's bad enough to at the start of a game. Um, and you just, you just tend to wonder what, what is not just the coaching box, but the on-field leadership as well to be able to calm things down and, and, and you know, get things back, you know, slow it down for a while, sit on the ball for a, a few minutes and just take the sting out of the other team. You talk about on-field leadership. Um, who, who do you consider to be on-field leaders? Uh, you know, we've got Jonesy, who was doing his own job on, on the field and I wonder if he was you know, sort of concentrating on that. Um, uh, Jordan Lewis uh, playing with a, a broken hand, but he's being down on form, and I think he's probably lucky that he's got that hand injury because um, he'd probably be looking at a, a stint in the twos, I, I dare say. Uh, where else is our leadership coming from, or should it be coming from? Well, that, and that's an ex- I think that's an absolutely excellent question. Like, without Viney, um, you know, I, I see... But Lyndon Dunn still going around at Collingwood. Now, I wouldn't mind him in that back line at the moment, to be honest. I think he could probably marshal a few people. Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I just don't get Lewis. Apparently, you know, broken hand for the last three quarters. But he seems to have played, still played, you know, the rest, you know, the, the third quarter, the last quarter. It would have been a great time to, to sort of pack him up. He played 84% of the game. Uh, whereas Salem played seventy six percent of the game. Wow! Uh, you know, there's Brayshaw played seventy one percent of the game, and you know I know Brayshaw probably hasn't played that many games recently, and he had a bit of interruption in the preseason. But still, to me, you know, the last quarter it could have been time to just pack Lewis away with his with his hand and just concentrate on um, you know concentrate on other players. Can only assume that they didn't think it was as bad as it is. Um, and perhaps being a cold and wet day, um, uh, maybe he just didn't uh, didn't feel it. Um, yeah, no, didn't no, feel no, it to be as bad as it turned out yeah. to be in the end. Yeah, I've broken a, a finger uh, or dislocated a finger, and I didn't even know it on a wet, cold day. So I can see how that uh, that can happen. Uh, ma- maybe just could have 
just tried someone else just for the sake of the fact that we know we're going to need to try someone else at some point down there. He's not going to be there forever. Um, so it's, it's yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not really sure him and Vince in the same team. I just can't. I can make a case for one of them. I just can't make a case to having both of them at the same time. Yeah, I was really upset with Vince, that effort on the goal line, you know, that sort of toe-poke thing that cost us a goal. It's, it's, that, that's not showing leadership. That's not doing, um, you know, that was, that was terrible. Didn't that remind you of that goal that, uh, that Bontempelli kicked that Eddie had that day a few years ago where we couldn't kill the ball on the line and he did that miracle snap? Yeah. Uh, that from was the a come, boundary that line was a over his shoulder. That, that, I think that might have been the original comeback game. That might have been round 11, 2014. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look that up now. Because I, I think that, that uh, was, I think was that one is of the, the games where we came back from a mile in the hole and almost won. But, like you said, because everything, um, you know, because you are so vulnerable at that point when you have to come back, that one goal knocked us out. Yep. Yeah, while, while you're looking that up, I might uh, remind uh, our listeners that if you do want to give us a call and give, a, give us your take on, on the game or, or anything we're talking about tonight or we'll talk about, uh, uh, you can call us two ways, uh, 03-9016-3666, that's 03-9016-3666. Or you can uh, get on Skype and uh, look up Demonland Thirty One or One Word and uh, give us a call. We'll take uh, we'll we'll take your calls. Um, we'll be happy to, and uh, you can share in uh, our misery. Uh, and we can all maybe heal together. But that goal just uh, wasn't just Vince, by the way. No, uh, yes. Lever overran it, <laughs> and Jetta Jetta mucked it up as well. So. Um, they almost all had a part to play in that, and it really was, it was like a bloody comedy of errors. Really, I, th- I thought it was funny on the TV how they were mocking us for. Oh, no one knows. They just should rush it. They all know the rules, and it's like as if the rules are the same from one week no. to the other. Like you can understand why players might be might be scared to rush it through because the interpretation changes every five minutes. They were trying to rush it though. They just made an absolute meal of it. I thought Bernie was sort of trying like a clever sort of back heel across goal, the, oh, right? Okay, goal. but yeah, it was it was so far out that it made absolutely no sense. Now you talked about interpretations of the rules, and there was uh, a thing that happened on the weekend, and Hawthorne are very good at this, and they do it a lot, and I think Geelong did it to us in the first round. It's the shepherding uh, the man on the mark. What's um, what are you? What do you guys uh, think about that? Should should that be that type of thing be outlawed? Do you think we didn't do enough to sort of curtail that? How do you curtail that? Um, do you allow it to happen so that they've got one less man at the you know where the ball's going? Um, uh, Super Mercado, what do you uh, what do you think of that? Uh, the shepherding. Well, I don't know if it's going to stop the player where the ball's going because I guess the the player who's doing the shepherding is always going to be someone who's in the in the vicinity anyway, yeah. and someone who's going to stay in the vicinity. Um, look, I, I mean, I would, I would not allow it if I was if I was on the uh, AFL's super panel, which I'm very disappointed <laughs> I didn't get a call up for. Uh, but if it is legal, then uh, you know we should be we should be giving it a bash. We we never seem to be the innovators of no. these things. We always seem to jump on them at the end of the end of the road. So you'll probably get banned five minutes after we do start doing it. Um, but yeah, if you've got someone like a Garland or someone like that, just who can 
who's not going to go up the field and get in the next play anyway or the next marking contest, and they can impact um, the defender clearing the ball, then absolutely. Like, the forward pressure is, you know, it's been really disappointing, I think. Um, they have their odd moment of odd moment of glory, um, but the forward pressure has just been really down. So anything we can do to add to that and put the, put the heat on them getting the ball out of defence, uh, go for it. Yeah, I I, th- I actually think the rule has to be. I think it should be changed. I think uh, someone put a graphic up on Demon Land how you have to be uh, behind. There's a five meter arc behind the player with the ball. Um, there's the ten meters or whatever between the guy with the ball and on that man on the mark. But there's no. There should be an exclusion zone around the player on the mark. Another you know five meter arc behind them and. Um, I think maybe eventually that'll be changed, but at the moment we've got to live with it. And um, you know, it, uh, look, I don't, it certainly didn't lose us the game, but um, yeah, no, it, we wouldn't have found pressure. anyone to kick it to anyway. No, <laughs> that maybe that would also stop the uh, those chip kicks that only go seven meters, but are still paid as marks from happening too. Because uh, yeah, anyway, I agree. So. Um, and we talked about being, you know, an easy team to score against, but I, I thought it was quite interesting that uh, the, the first person to sort of come out with that after the game was Paul Ruse. Um, Ruse was the one saying that Melbourne is the easiest team to score against and uh, it, it must really hurt him, you would think. Uh, he wouldn't like to, to see that, but he's not there anymore to do anything about it. Um, My favourite part was when Hawthorne had eight, eight players in defence and still managed to fling the ball from one end to the other at a million miles an hour and, and find our back line in total disarray. It was, yeah, it just, it, it was just a dud day. Like Again, we, we know this was a dud day. If they come out and stink the joint up on Tuesday night, then let's all punch on. <laughs> but for now, I think we've got to give them at least some ability to, to bring this back. Agreed. Well, uh, you know, there was a hot thread on Demon Land this week. There was a lot of people uh, questioning whether Goodwin is the man for the job. Um, Still way too early to be getting the the knives out. Um, And I guess the next month will be be very uh, crucial in uh, sort of... (laughs) Further exploring that uh, that question, uh, but yeah, I think it's still too early. Um, we have to see how the the team and how the coaches respond uh, this week, and it'll be interesting, uh, to say the least. Yeah, just uh, go back on a point that George on the outer made in the uh, chat room before. Um, the, the problem uh, is not only the back line, but the ease with which the ball was coming in and the unwillingness... Um, of the mids to run back uh, and provide support. And I, sh- I think that was shown up in some of the footage that they showed on uh, on, on the couch on Monday night. So, um, yeah, it, 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 as, uh, as Super Mercado said, it, it was a stinker of a day. Uh, we ride it off um, and, uh, and look to see what happens on Tuesday night. Um, uh, well, going back to some of the, the players, um, uh, I thought, in the first quarter, um, I thought uh, Dean Kent was fantastic. He he kicked three goals, and uh, you know he was he was uh, on absolutely on fire. And then uh, we sort of barely saw him for the rest of the game. Uh, Tommy Bug didn't have much influence up forward. Uh, Melksham's sort of 
been lost sort of all year. Uh, I thought Bug, he didn't uh, have no influence. He had a negative influence on the game. I saw somebody posted that he had three or four score assists, uh, but for every score assist he had, he killed off uh, two or three forays forward um, and he turned the ball over. He was a complete liability um, from the very first quarter when he missed that chip over the top that should have set Jeffy uh, up for a goal, um, you know, missed it by a long way. Mm. And it just got worse from there. And I'd be very surprised if he um, retains his spot in the side. Even accounting for the fact that he got got a lot more ball than some of the others. We definitely need another tall down there. And I think the North Melbourne game, take the conditions out of this one. uh, I I really think we could have done with another tall in this game. But it was kind of like you got Kent kick goals, you got Bug kick goals. It kind of insulates them against a uh, horses for courses switch. Like I I would have taken Bug out and put Pedersen in, for instance. Um, But... You know, there's sort of this thing where, well, the guys just kick four goals. Yeah, well, yeah, you could have. Sure, two of them were freeze. One of them fell into his arm. <laughs> Fine performance. Like, no, nothing, not denigrating his performance. But you can't just look at the fact that he kicked four goals. And I would very much hope that highly paid football departments um, would look at that and say the, the, the net impact of the guy kicking four goals is great. But the, we need to move this guy to get a player in who's going to suit the opposition better, um, and in this case, allow Hogan to give a bit more freedom. Um, and whether that's you know, Pedersen, Wiedemann, Tim Smith, etc., etc., doesn't matter. I think we just need another target down there. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think we need the other target down there, but I think it's been pretty stiff to take out a guy who's just kicked four goals, and I, I take what you said about uh, how we got them, and, uh, yeah, it would have been very stiff to get... Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I th- and I think that was almost the, the problem that you had yeah. him and Kent, um, and you probably Melksham has been iffy this year, but Kent, the, the, he's probably adds more up the ground that Kent and Bug aren't. Maybe Kent a bit more than Bug, um, but yeah, there we sort of didn't have that that option to to move one of them out because they both did so well the game before. But I would agree that I think um, yeah, Bug was was very poor. Um, in this game, he, he he can find he can find scoring opportunities. He got four sure. points, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, you can't. We just can't have someone missing that often. Um, and and he was quite. He he used to convert really well in his first couple of seasons with us, and then it all just mid last season just went through the floor. And um, till last week, he's really missed so many more opportunities um, than he's than he's converted. I just think he needs to go for a for a tall. Uh, do you think James Harms? Um, we might we'll talk changes later, but I thought he was didn't really impact the game at all. Um, he'd be looking at um, a stint in the twos as well. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I would probably probably keep him, but yeah. I, I see I understand where you're coming from on that as well. I think I think as the novelty of him playing in the ruck. <laughs> Well, last was week up, uh... was kind of like, oh my God, this is amusing. But this week, when he was doing it for about 10 minutes in the second quarter, yeah. um, and you know, he was very game. There was one where he kind of almost flew right over the top at a boundary throw-in and you know, Hogan's Heroes style. He tried to take the big specky over the guy in the boundary throw-in. So he was very, he was going for it. Yeah. But, you know, what's the point? You can't replace a Gorn. 
with a with any anybody on our list is going to replace Gorn. But you've got to have that competent backup ruckman. Um, last year when McDonald was doing it, he wasn't the best tap ruckman, but he was like straight there on the ground level fighting for the ball when it hit. Yeah, you just got to have that. And I don't think Harms. It's like Watts the last couple of years when he sort of got thrown in to do it. It wasn't bad, but it just it just didn't add anything. It was really you were just desperately trying to break even. So, I mean, obviously the the dream is to find a forward who can competently ruck as well. Um, but I think for now, probably you know Pedersen is the best option to, as as close as we're going to get to someone who can really do both. It'll be interesting to see whether they do go for Pedersen or perhaps Wiedemann or neither at selection this week. Yeah, I think, I mean, Wiedemann's obviously not going to go in the ruck um, at any time, you wouldn't have thought. So, um, I mean, well, they have, they've I'd been rucking with, him in the twos. So, yeah, right. Well, it shows how much I've been taking notice of the um, VFL so far. This yeah, no, and I think with that with that exact point in mind that you're going to, um, to have a forward that can properly go into the ruck. So, um, yeah, I think... The, yeah, well, it's definitely an option. Um, and you can't... You know, as much as I like Pedersen, we have to also accept the fact that he's sort of 31 years old. So you, you can't rely on, on him. You've got to train someone else up eventually. So, yeah, it might be worth worth giving Wiedemann a go. Well, if they've been playing Wiedemann in the ruck, uh, in the twos, uh, you would think the reason for that is because... Um, you know, with with the eye of uh, bringing him in at some point, possibly sooner rather than later, uh, to do that, to, to be the backup uh, ruckman. Um, I'm not sure what the ruck stocks are out of Casey, but um, yeah. Um, or the oppo- or the opposition. I think they've they've played a couple of uh, pretty lowly teams until this week. The, the this week they obviously got a good run for their money, but before that, it wasn't much of a trial. Yeah, knocking no. over Frankston and uh, Coburg. Uh, yeah, you're right. So we, uh, you said you didn't, uh, you Super Mercado, you didn't uh, see, you haven't been following the VFL this year. Uh, Great Viney, what's your understanding of what, uh, who played well for, for Casey? Um, I can see based on the, um, we had. Uh, I think Hunt was considered uh, one of the best on ground. Kicked a goal. And got uh, got a bit of the footy, so that's good news. And you'd expect he'll be back this week. Um, uh, as to who else performed, I think uh, Peterson had a really good second half after a quiet first half and kicked two yeah. uh, very important goals. One of which was he, he ran the half uh, uh, half the length of the field. So um, yeah, they were certainly amongst it. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, I see Wiedemann only kicked one and Tim Smith one. So it'll be interesting to see who if we bring in Peterson or Wiedemann or, or even Smith. I think Smith uh, played last year against Richmond and got injured early on. So, um, but I've got a feeling Smith's only just come back from injury. Yeah. I think he's had an interrupted uh, both, uh, both Smiths perhaps um, haven't played a whole lot of footy. Yet this year, so I'd be surprised if they get a run, but you never know. Um, Simon says on Thursday night, it's always, uh, uh, um, yeah, surprise bag of goodies. Uh, we'll take a look at our uh, injury list. Um, 
still pretty light on the injury list. Jordan Lewis, obviously, with the hand, they say one to two weeks, which means that's at least four-week injury, um, <laughs> given the Melbourne scale of um, of calculations. Uh, I see Neville Jetta is listed as an ankle uh, test. Um, any news on that? Um, I think it's been reported that he'll be fine to play. Yeah. Well, he certainly came back in the last quarter for what that was worth. He would probably have been happier not to, but uh, he's only played the game out last week. Yep. Well, I see Tom McDonald, they're listed as two to three weeks, so really that two to three weeks can't come quick enough. Um, do you think once... Yeah, Dave Misson said in his report that uh, he would do a bit of training on Saturday yeah. with the main group, so yes. that's good news. Tom McDonald, two to three weeks, he'll actually train with the group a little bit on Saturday morning. We actually expect Tom to potentially be available for the Essendon game. Um, mm, is the Essendon game the down. one after the Richmond game? Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's, uh, well, that's exciting. <laughs> but uh, might be the week well, after that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's only a week and a half away, basically, because it's only a few days after the Richmond game, so... Yeah, let's just um, let's just calm down on people with you know foot related injuries. Yeah, did we not yeah. learn from last year? Uh, there is a guy called yeah. Jack Viney uh, that might uh, have a few things to say. He's three to, uh, Jack's uh, uh, three to four weeks away, um, and they reckon that Aaron Vanderberg uh, might get a few games in before the bye. So um, he's listed as eight to ten weeks. So. Watch Good luck space. to Vanders. Uh, he's had a horror run. Yeah, it's, so a la- it's a last uh, roll shouldn't, of the dice. Shouldn't laugh. No, no, no. I, I like I like Vanders, but um, yeah, it's going to be a monumental effort uh, for him to uh, come back from the injuries and you know get back into the team. So um, yeah, watch this space. So uh, uh, he's uh, Pat blo- McKenna going. Oh, well, <laughs> it's indefinite. Um, I'm not sure of the the actual existence of Pat McKenna. Do we have we confirmed that he is a real person and not a? Funnily a enough, uh, they were pictures of him on social media today because the club had one of its community days where it goes to schools and reads. Uh, they read to the kids and uh, uh, take them out for a bit of a kick. And um, Pat was there reading like a demon. Well, I think the program is. It wasn't so a I actually took the time to look at him. And confirm that he was a real person. Not a cardboard cutout. Um, no <laughs> cardboard cutout. So out accidentally in a training session before the start of last year, or was that his teeth? There was definitely some teeth-related uh, shenanigans involving Pat McKenna. I think he might have yeah. accidentally taken someone else's teeth out. <laughs> I don't know. So that, yeah. that, so that player is well aware of the uh, the existence of Pat McKenna. Well, I think if you're an indefinite injury, you're doomed to uh, being uh, in the read like a demon program for <laughs> for the rest of the year. <laughs> That's your contribution. Um, yeah, so uh, with Jordan Lewis out, uh, you would expect Hunt to come back in for him. Uh, uh, we've talked a little bit about changes. Anyone else you can see coming out of this team? Um, Plenty. Yeah, well, there's plenty. Uh, what's actually? <laughs> well, Tyson's ready to come back after being ill on the weekend, so he comes straight back in. And who goes out? Think who goes out? He'll replace one of uh, Harms, Milksham, or Bug. I would have thought. And Hannon oh. might come in too. So two of Bug, Milksham, and Harms might go, or it could be a, a Pedersen or Wiedemann. And do you think they'll persist uh, with Fritch? I, I like – he did get a lot of possessions this week. I just love what he does when he does get the ball. Um, 
I'm still waiting for that sort of breakout game where he kicks, snags quite a few goals because I think that'll come. Um, do you think they'll persist with him or they'll, I mean, with Hannon coming back in, maybe he, he might be the one to miss? Yeah, possible. He'll probably get a week, a week out. You know, point, in yeah. a few weeks' time, um, and maybe switch with Hannon. Um, I, I'd probably go for Hunt, Pedersen in for Lewis and Bug. Um, I'm not particularly keen on Tyson, like not to not to write him off at all. But I don't feel that he's a crucial uh, crucial player. But uh, wouldn't obviously be starting a picket line on Brunton Avenue if he <laughs> if he is picked. Um, but I, I think I just want to be reasonably calm on this as well. I'm not sort of yeah one of these like we've just got to drop ten players. Yeah, it's a big game. It's like it's a, you know, not just big game for the crowd, but a big game for we just need to we need a performance that rights the ship. Um, I think it's like I said earlier. I think it's been a bit over the top how the defeat's been treated, especially in the media. Um, so I think we just need to be a bit safe in this game, and and make sure we don't do anything crazy. Um, that's why I would have Pedersen in front of Wiedemann, um or Smith, just a more experienced hand. Um, and then potentially, no matter what happens this week, start looking at the future weeks. Okay, we've we've got everyone off our back. We've got some clear space. Now, what's the where do we start experimenting? Mm. See, I'd always have Tyson ahead of um, Harms and Bug anyway, um, and probably Neil Bullen as well. So for me, it's a him coming back into the team is sort of going back to a best twenty-two, if you like, or what my best twenty-two would be. But uh, I agree. I don't. I don't think. Uh, it's you know don't throw the uh, don't throw the uh, baby out with the bathwater and I don't think you know people are suggesting on Demonland six and seven changes uh, I don't think that's going to happen and I don't think it should happen. No, that, I mean that's that's just almost confirming and saying we are in a panic mode. Like at the moment, you you would hope that the club itself and what's coming out of the club, there's a lot of it's it's a bit defensive because it has to be considering what happened. But it doesn't exude crisis mode. It's not like we've sent all the players no. away to Sorrento for a, you know a bonding experience. That and when you kind of go, oh my god, we're in big trouble here. But you get to you get to Thursday and suddenly it's yeah seven players out. Um, that's just yeah raising the raising the white flag. Is it too late to go on a, a, a midweek training camp? Uh- <laughs> There's still time to, to nip down. If they're at Casey, they could just you know, push on to Phillip Island or something. Um, so the weather forecast, um, it looks looks kind to us. So it doesn't look like there'll be rain. I can see it's a, it says a 24 possible shower, but a zero to one millimetre rainfall. So um, <laughs> that's good. We don't want uh, We don't want rain. And I often... I often a bit jealous uh, of the teams that play under the roof of Eddie Had, uh, not because I like Eddie Had, but it, it sort of seems a bit unfair that you can have two games played um, on the weekend of the same day and one game not being affected by the weather at all. Uh, granted, they have to play at a soulless stadium, but uh, yeah, it's. Um, do you see anything unfair about that, or that's just the way? I mean, usually I'm a traditionalist on things, but to be honest, I'd put a roof on everything <laughs> uh, and just play everything under a roof. Make it a level maybe playing that, field. Maybe that's for my own my own comfort. It's probably the one the one thing I like about Eddie had is going there and shutting the roof, which I know is a, a very divisive topic amongst footy fans. It's like uh, politics here. People are on one side or the other 
but I'm definitely a, uh, an indoor well, fan. If you've got a roof well, with a, if you've got a stadium with a roof, why not have it closed? Um, that's the whole point of it. Well, so you can enjoy the lovely shadows across <laughs> yes. the, uh, most of the ground and players putting their hands in, up in to shield their eyes all day. Yeah. We certainly don't play well in the wet or the bad conditions, that's for sure. Or, or, or if our record at Etihad is anything to go by, under undercover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's been rectified in recent years. We are the we're, we're definitely carpet, on the, on the carpet specialists. We've actually yeah. almost been better there than the MCG. Than at the G, yeah. yeah. Yep. Time to start a petition. Um so, uh, Grapeviner, you actually started a thread, uh, I just was reading it uh, pre-podcast, uh, um, about the crowd uh, and the missed opportunity uh, because of our uh, loss on the weekend. Um, you, you this is start. a big deal to me because yeah, so go ahead. The, the thing that hurt the most during the years of the Great Depression uh, was our irrelevancy. We didn't play in a single game that had any consequence whatsoever. Um, and so now that we're back in the fold um, and we've got the Queen's birthday, we've got the Anzac Eve, um, I just want it to be as big as it can possibly be. And by uh, getting thumped on the weekend, um, we've taken some of the gloss off. Instead of having a week where it would have been billed as the biggest game of the year and uh, all the media outlets would have been talking tactics and who's going to cover this player and who's going to go to that, Instead, it's all been, uh, about how pathetic we were against Hawthorne. So I think that, that uh, that'll uh, uh, rob us of about ten to 15,000 people. I think we would have got 90 had we won well against the Hawks. Uh, the MCC are predicting 82,000, but I think it'll be closer to 75,000. And I reckon PJ would be fuming because that's $15,000 of additional income that we forego. And, uh, um, yeah, just a chance to, uh, to really um, uh, go properly onto the centre stage rather than, um, uh, you know, f- um, fall our way and stumble our way onto it, which is what we're doing this week. Yeah, um, you know, we, we don't get many chances to play on the big stage and we've had, last year we had a Friday night, one Friday night game and we sort of blew that and looked uh, pathetic. Um, we were good last year against Richmond, but, you know, we ran out of legs and players towards the end. So we don't get many of these big opportunities and you're right. I think uh, the, the result last week um, is definitely going to cost us uh, this week, so... Yeah, I can see what you're saying there. And I think that's why it's important that we have to bounce back this week for obvious reasons, but why we don't want to be too NQR by making you know, massive changes and everything. Because we need to put in a good performance here that, you know, you don't want to go out and lose by 90 points. Terrible game. And people start, you know, the, the AFL starts looking at it going, oh, hold on a minute. We could, you know, stick Collingwood versus Richmond and get 90,000 instead. Um, we've got to, you know, keep a. This this has been a pretty good fixture so far. I don't think there's any games. We pro- I think we won one by about five goals, um, that probably wasn't won until the other third fourth quarter. Um, it's been a run of good games. So we really, if we don't win, we yep. have to put in a good performance for multiple yeah. reasons. 
I agree, 100%. Otherwise, Carlton will be given the, the Anzac Day uh, game. Yeah, they'll, they'll, play, they'll play the first game against Richmond and they'll come back five weeks later and play a second game against them. <laughs> or maybe Collingwood and Essendon will play both on Anzac Eve and on Anzac yeah. Day. Just play one. They'll start on Anzac Eve night and just play one. <laughs> eight quarters. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, is there? I think. Um, I think that's. Uh, I think that's it. Um, anything else, uh, fellas? Um, can you see anything else from that's happened during the week that you want to bring up? Uh, well, I thought, you guys might have seen the uh, the article in the paper uh, by a fine demon blog reader. I must say, uh, questioning whether he should let his kids become Melbourne fans. Uh, I don't know if you saw that, it was in the uh, the, the the Fairfax papers. Uh, was that James so Masola? Yes. Yes, so he's a political reporter at the age. Encourage James to... Well, if he's a political reporter, he should know about the words of the UK Labor leader of the 50s, Hugh Gateskill, who said, fight, fight, and fight again, because we should never give up. You let your kids... Either, either If your kids aren't going to be Melbourne fans, then steer them away from football entirely into something else. Don't let them follow any other club. This is your duty, listeners. I thought it was compulsory to make your children suffer like you had to suffer. Um, Correct. Imagine the the, uh, resilience that you get from being a Melbourne fan. Like You might never see success, but at least you'll have a, a, a fine moral grounding. I must say, when you have a decade like we've had um, and you've documented it, um, it is very hard um, to get uh, to get your kids to keep coming back to the football. Um, you know, kids want to see, see wins. They want to see good football. Um, and it's very hard to, to get kids to, to go when you're pl- playing uh, mediocre football. Um, I was talking Not when the goalposts are flashing and there are super duper goals <laughs> to be had. You just don't let them go for another team. That's the thing. If you Yo. can just sort of put them yeah. put them on ice for a few years and get them back when uh, when the time is right, but you don't want to be that North game. I walked in there was a, a kid who must have been five years old with a Gold Coast Suns hat on, and I was like, oh, oh. you know, it, it made me physically ill to think about it, which was odd because I thought he must have been there for the Little League. Then they didn't didn't even have Little League that day. <laughs> They had some Milo obstacle course where people were rolling back and forth on a giant inflatable <laughs> footy. So God knows what the kid was actually doing there. But it's like, how can you let your child be a Gold Coast Suns fan? You know, just steer them away from footy, steer them into something that's probably healthier for them and all that. And then in a few years' time, when the bandwagon's rolling, just drag them back in. Yeah, I'm waiting for that bandwagon. <laughs> I've been waiting all my life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they might yeah. not be kids anymore by the time the, the bandwagon actually happens, but at least they won't uh, you know, lob up one day and decide that they're a Geelong fan or a Hawthorne fan or something like that. Yeah, that, that's got to be my, my biggest fear as a parent. Um, <laughs> um, we, we, we'll be wearing a uh, new uh, Anzac Day Guernsey. Did uh, either of you guys see that? And uh, what are your yep. thoughts? Um, on it. it's not a huge, to... not a huge fan. To well, be I, honest, I heard people saying they're not a huge fan, but uh, is it that different from the last year's one? Uh, no, I'm... but I think uh, I know someone suggested it in the thread. If they just had the rising sun placed at the point of the V, yep. where the current image is of the soldier carrying a mate, um, I think go simple 
and uh, yeah, leave it at that. Um, I think it gets a bit a bit gaudy when you start bringing in other images. To be honest, yeah, right. I'd agree with that. I, I mean, I think the the general concept, like it, it's it's done for. I hope the right reasons, not to just pocket some uh, cash on jumper sales. But I think in a position like us, where we're actually playing in a game where they really do that, the solemn ceremony, and you know that there's that real uh, Anzac um, tribute, that it just gets a bit vulgar when we start plugging these jumpers and we've got this jumper, and you know, yeah. like I said, I know it's done from, for the right reason, but I just think it, it gets a bit over the top sometimes. Um. So that's uh, that's supposed to be a soldier carrying another soldier. I thought it was um, Gary Ablett carrying the um, the Gold Coast Suns team. It's ironic that Nathan Jones would be uh, wearing something that features someone carrying someone else. Cause he's, been, he's carried about 250 people in the last 10 years. Yes, uh, definitely. Well, um, I think that, um, you know, it, it, are they, they, I think they are selling that uh, jumper on the... Uh, on uh, on the Demon Shop website, so um, yeah, you'd think that a, a surely a cut is going to the uh, RSL or Legacy or something like that. Yeah, the Anzac Day appeal or something. Um, yeah. Um, anything else, fellas? Oh, yes. I'm not. I'm not depressed in advance about <laughs> next week. I, I, I see we could win. I don't think we will, but I think we will put in a a performance that will hopefully set us up for the, the next important month after that. Great, Barney. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Uh, let's um, let's see the boys respond again uh, on Tuesday night and take it from there. Um, had my faith rocked a little bit on the weekend, but uh, ready, to, ready to jump back on if they put in a good show on Tuesday night. And I guess it depends where you thought we were going to be this year uh, to start with. Like, oh, I probably thought that we were nothing more than a fringe finals team this year and that next year would be the, the great leap forward. So to me, it's not so bad. But I was talking to someone today who said, oh, I thought we were going to be in the top four. I'm devastated. And, and that's kind of where it's at. Like if, if you did have really high expectations this year, um, then definitely what's happened last week, but even bits of you know, what's happened in the weeks before would really rock you. But if you kind of where I'm at and, and sort of thinking, you know, we're going to be there or thereabouts at the end. Um, but if we miss out, to me, if we miss out in the finals this year, I'm not going to lose the plot about that. Depends on the circumstances, of course, and how far we miss them. But I, I think next year is going to be the real great leap forward when you get that extra year into Petrarca and Oliver and, you know, hopefully your Tom McDonald's are there and Jack Viney's are there right from the start. Um so I think it, yeah, it depends where your expectations are this year as yep. to how devastated you are at the moment. I, I don't think my expectations were too much different from yours, uh, Super Mercado, but the one thing I guess that I haven't seen this year, which I thought I would, I, we have, we've only played our best footy in very small patches this yep. year. I just thought we would have seen more of it by now. I mean, we got 15, 20 minutes on the weekend. Um uh, most of the North game was pretty good, but the other two were patchy. So I just think we've been, yeah, a bit underwhelming um, for the whole year, yeah, even though we're two and two. I think that the, the way we lost this week and by how much was what was really disappointing. Uh, it's not slashing wrist time by any means, but last year early on we had a lot of those small losses. Um, we didn't really get thumped much 
during the year, and this felt like a, a thumping and a little bit of a step back. But it's it's it, as you said, it's all about how we respond uh, going forward in the next month. And uh, I think in a month's time, we'll be able to we'll have a better indication of of where we're at. Um, but having said that, last week I said. Um, this game will show us where we're at, and if, if that's the game to show us where we're at, then we're very far by, far behind the eight ball. But uh, I'm willing to give us another month before I uh, get the microwave and the membership out. But no, I'll never, I'll never do that. <laughs> um, all right, I think uh, I think with that uh, we might uh, we might end it there. I was hoping maybe we'd uh, get a few callers in, but it seems that everyone is. Uh, a little shy or still in shock. Um, Has the club changed the date of its podcast to clash with ours? Because it, Inside Melbourne was sort of released this afternoon, wasn't it? Was it always not released this afternoon? Uh, was it? it I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Are you thinking could be, there's, could there's be, some could be black ops, <laughs> black ops from the club to... Uh, <laughs> Uh, to bring us down, uh, I don't think uh, I don't think they would. I would hope they're not thinking like that uh, because certainly they've got a bigger, um, they've got a much bigger audience. You would think because they've got uh, a built-in already, uh, you know, built-in built-in audience that uh, reads the website, which is I would say is a lot larger than our audience. But um, yeah, I would hope that that's not one of their thinking. We could we can all live together in. Yeah. Otherwise, you could have a good old-fashioned WWE-style feud with them. <laughs> Start issuing pot shots. <laughs> nah, I, I could, well, I, we've got Jakovic on our side, so I'm oh, quite well, confident. Exactly. I mean, okay. that, that, you've got my vote. Yeah, I, I, maybe we <laughs> maybe we need to call in uh, call in a favour from Jacko, and uh, let's get a we'll get an update from him. <laughs> that would yep. uh, that would be that would certainly be, be great. Uh, we can query him on our forward efficiency, perhaps, and uh, how we can start converting some of those inside fifties to goals. Maybe Jacko's got the answer. Oh, well, forward coach, <laughs> bring Jacko back. <laughs> yeah. We need that hashtag on on Twitter. Bring Jacko. Back. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very much uh, once again for joining us, Super Mercado. Thank you for uh, you know giving us an insight uh, into uh, the misery of the demons. <laughs> terrifying life that I lead. Thank you very much for having me, guys. And uh, I hope uh, I hope we can get a few wins up, and I can come back and talk about something good for once. Well, maybe maybe you'll come back next week uh, when we do win. Uh, if we do, um, <laughs> I'm not quite that confident yet. Great, Viney. Thank you very much uh, once again, and thank you to all our uh, loyal listeners. Uh, we'll be back next Go week. Days. Go those demons. <laughs>